Say Mod Night is rubbish, Kenzie. Mod Night is rubbish. Coming up on today's podcast, a bit of this. I don't know if dying is actually breaking a contract, is it? I, I don't know what contracts were like in the 15th century. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe death was the only way yeah, of breaking yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> and a bit of this. He actually had his special blue created for him. By a pigmentarian. Pigmentarian. <laughs> Hello. And welcome to episode number 13 of Modern Art is Rubbish. And are you all right, Tom? Yeah, hi, Marcus. Yeah, I'm great. Right? Are you all right, Sarah? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm laughing a little bit. I don't know why. It's, <laughs> it's because uh, today I've been uh, doing a lot of research on a colour. And actually, it's not even my favourite colour. My favourite colour is racing green. But this episode... You wanted to know that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's quite a specific sort of green, racing green, isn't it? I like racing green. Do you have a favourite colour? Um, I don't have a favourite colour, no. No. What's your favourite colour? Well, probably a blue. Ooh. Oh, look. Yeah, well, it's, I, I, I did <laughs> it because sure it's your favourite colour, Sarah. <laughs> I thought, let's do Sarah's favourite colour and not mine. There's not much art on racing green, no. 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 So, today, this one's going to be on blue and... We're going to be looking at a little bit of a history of uh, one of the most important colours in the blue spectrum. Or blue spectrum? It's not the blue spectrum, is the it? The colour spectrum. Yeah. Well, the most important shade of blue, which is ultramarine. And uh, then looking at a few of the artists that have used blue. Fantastic. So blue. Yeah, so blue. Blue. So, <laughs> it's, so is this called blueism? Is there a word for this? Uh, no. Isn't that? That sounds familiar. What, blueism? Well, blueism. Bluism, yellowism. Yeah. Oh, yellowism. Yeah, oh, yeah, you already did yellowism. Oh, no, not yellowism. <laughs> I never want to go back to yellowism ever again. That was when I thought sound effects were cool on everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, the most important, vibrant blue that went on to uh, revolutionise art. And uh, this was a blue pigment that was taken from a semi-precious stone that was mined in northern Afghanistan and it was called lapis lazuli and it was originally mined as far back as 6000 BC. 6000 BC? 6000 BC, so That's yeah. like 8000 years ago, so yes. I just check my maths. Yeah, yeah. so it was used in, <laughs> a, in a, a many ancient artefacts before it even arrived in Europe, but they used it in its stone form. So you can find uh, work in places like Mesopotamia, which is now... Uh, modern Iraq and Egypt they had a lot of uh, the stone lapis lazuli used lapis lazuli used try and say that's a bit of a tongue twister in it so that's like the blue on uh, like Tutankhamun's tomb that yeah. sort of thing Tutankhamun the pharaoh's death mask that used a blue in his eyebrows that was uh, that's lapis lazuli and also round his eyes as well Okay. Is cool. it had? Does uh, lapis lazuli? I might don't know if I'm saying yeah. it right. Does that have anything recognisable today, or is that just? Is it an old artefact or an old thing that we don't see nowadays? It is now used in 
uh, a lot of more expensive pigments and it's used in a color called ultramarine what well, is mined out the ground it originally only came from one place in northern iraq now it wasn't until the 1800s that they actually um, were able to synthesize it artificially so before that all paintings with this vibrant ultramarine blue all came from that single that pigment that's used in those paintings all came from that single mine so europe right in the medieval times they had a like a really kind of rubbishy blue called azurite kind of a pale blue and then gradually over time it just kind of goes to a kind of like a a wishy-washy green so it doesn't stay vivid so if no you it, it doesn't now, it's, it's all... not color fast yeah. no no so what happened was of course these traders now they bring over this rock which is turned into a pigment now to get the pigment out of a stone it takes weeks and weeks so this stuff's pretty rare pretty expensive so is that like the belgian guy who chained himself inside the marble oh yeah and he tried to chop himself out yeah well, is that we'll how they to... used to get colors out of stones yeah well it, i i assume that there's a kind of like a lot of grinding and a lot of <laughs> a lot of caustic materials that they stick it in and a lot it of sounds like a beyonce music really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you can imagine this new brilliant color it was so expensive so initially only the church uh, would allow it to be used so it was only used in religious art um for instance this one here i've got which is by uh friar angelico and he was a uh, he was a friar and he was a monk all right yeah if you go on the website right now you can actually look at the image we're looking at as well yes yeah and uh this is the annunciation and it's uh it's the bit where um the bit the bit, if that's called it, the passage in the Bible, uh, apparently, where a Gabriel comes down and says to uh, says to Mary, "You're gonna you're gonna have a baby," and uh, I'm looking at his picture now. There's a lot. He's really gone to town with a blue on it. You can see there. Yeah, he really has. There's a lot of blue. There's a lot of blue, and also uh, it, there's in it. You've got the Gabriel coming down, and then you've got uh, the what coming down. Gabriel, the angel, oh, right. the angel coming down, and uh, Mary's uh, looks pretty cold. And the, the sky in this picture looks a very rich shade of blue, doesn't it? I think that might be my printer settings. I'm not sure. Oh right, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, it actually is. I have been to the Prado and seen this painting. I can imagine when people saw that at that time, they thought this is out of this world. Because seriously, it really is a really good painting when you see it in the in the in the paint. I was going to say in the flesh, but it's not really the flesh; it's, it's in the paint. Stand in front of it; it's a really, really on the beautiful canvas. Painting. You could yeah. say, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, is for years it was only it was only like you would only see sky and you would see Mary that were in blue. That's it. Because of course the church light. Uh, wanted that because it was a new new call in power you know in in color um so much so that actually at one point uh they banned the wearing of blue really so yeah people weren't allowed to wear it because it was too religious because it was just blue and it was like the cool thing to do it's a bit like anish kapoor who's uh, copyrighted the use of uh, uh, an absolute blank called Vanta Black. 
Do you know that? No. There's a black that doesn't reflect any light and Anish Kapoor's got the uh, copyright for it. So he's allowed to say who uses it? He, no, no one else is going to. He's copyrighted it. So someone's made a uh, uh, another version that's a bit cheaper. Oh, right. Kind of does the same thing. Mm. But, so um, when did it get legalised? Was it first legalised in Amsterdam or...? What was that? Ultramarine blue? <laughs> yeah. <it all> <laughs> <be. laughs> but then there must have been other blues. Like, cause what about blue, we get blue flowers? Like, well, yeah. here on the south coast, we get lots of bluebells, don't we? Yeah. The other thing is, but there was no blue that was this intense and colourful. No, and I think that I could think I remember hearing that there wasn't blue fabric anyway. Well, the blue fabric was really expensive for the yeah. same reasons. Yeah, because because to get a blue that lasts that 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 is that intense, there was only one place you could get it. Gradually, although still really expensive, it becomes more available. There was at one point it was more expensive than gold. So the church for a long time had a hold on blue and no one else was allowed to use it. Not until around about the time of Titian. Now Titian's a Venetian painter and he was born around 1488. He picked up a commission for a painting uh, that Raphael, the artist, was doing. But Raphael actually died, thus breaking the contract. So Titian picked up the work. I don't know if dying is actually breaking a contract, is it? I I don't know what contracts were like in the 15th century. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe death was the only way of breaking it. (laughs) So... He's painted this picture, which is actually in the National Gallery. I've seen it's actually one of my favourite paintings. And it's called Bacchus and Ariadne. And it's possibly the first painting ever made that isn't a religious scene that uses blue and uses a lot of ultramarine blue. So you can imagine this painting actually costs quite a lot of money to make because it's it's laden with blue. And it's massive. Yeah. And it what it is 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 actually a picture of something from Greek mythology. Bacchus was the name for a a Roman god who's actually apparently a complete rip-off of the god from the Greek mythology called Dionysus. And Dionysus was the god of uh, wine and agriculture. Uh, Ariadne uh, is is in this scene as well. Now, Ariadne, uh, just to give you background, was in charge of the labyrinth where the Minotaur lived. And she met and fell in love with Theseus, who she made a pact with to kill the Minotaur. But basically, Theseus, just I don't think he fancied her as much as she liked him. So he just dumps off on the island of Naxos. Incidentally, Naxos make quite good uh, classical recordings. I quite like I've got a few of their CDs. Yeah, well, it's a Greek island, isn't it? Naxos. And they have a music festival there. Oh, yeah, maybe that's why they... uh, the CD, classical CD companies called that. It's a free plug for them. Other CD companies are available. Um, so she's left on this island. And of course, who lives on the island? But Bacchus. Now, Bacchus in this picture is arriving with his entourage uh, on a cheetah-drawn carriage, <laughs> as you can see there. And he's seen and he's just at the stage, he's looking at her, he's just going, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. I love her. I'm in love. Oh, I've, I've really got into the character of, of him. Do you reckon that's how he felt? Do you think that was a good impersonation of Bacchus? I, I imagine he was like, oh yeah, I really love it. Oh, the cheaters. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, mind you, he's probably thinking also she's in a nice bit of ultramarine. So she's a, she's a keeper. Very desirable. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Didn't catch on, did it? Cheaters as cheaters as. as. Well, look, the cheaters are looking at each other in the picture. They look like they're looking each other in the eye, like they're a love match. Yeah, they do like a couple. Well, it's a very well. It's the start of a romance. I, I don't think she's quite appreciated because she's just been dumped on an island by. A so was she into Bacchus? Hang on, you're not, talking, not about initially. you're not talking about the cheater, are you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't into, it's not interspecies relationships. So that is what this is depicting. And this painting is, a, is well worth seeing. I put a link on the site, but it's an absolute revolution in blue. And it probably cost a fortune. The next big blue period, in fact, going on in art was by Picasso. And that was a paint. He had, a, he had many stages in his career, such as Cubism, the Rose period, um, you know, the period where he made lots of sculptures and plates. <laughs> Ceramicism. <laughs> I don't know I made that up. Um, so this is... Isms. Isms. <laughs> he a, yeah, he had a lot of isms. And this is his blue period. Now, Picasso had a really dark period in his life. Uh, and that was from his late teens into his early 20s, from about 1901 to about 1904. And there was a key event in his life that led up and certainly contributed to this period. So around 1899, Pablo Picasso, while staying in Barcelona, met Carlos Casamagas, a Catalan artist and writer. And in 1900, both friends went on a trip to Paris. And during which, this is this is sounding a bit, there's a, a shade of Vincent about it going on here. During which Casamagas fell deeply in love with a model who was called Germaine. But there was one issue, well, maybe slight issue there. She was actually married. Oh. So they kind of hung out together. He was in love with her. Um, but the affair was actually never consummated. This sort of probably led to quite a, a disastrous kind of relationship. And it was made worse by the fact that Casamagus was quite, uh, he, you know, he liked a good drink and he, he wasn't in a totally stable mental state either. So this gradually deteriorates until one night he was out with his friends at a cafe bar in Paris and he got more and more drunk. And after a short drunken speech, he pulls out a uh, revolver and uh, what do you do? You're getting drunk and you're upset and you're uh, the, the girlfriend of, or you're the person you're having a relationship standing there. What do you do? He shot her. Oh, he no. took a shot at her. Now, she falls to the floor, but luckily she's not injured badly. She's not. It's grazed her, but she's not injured. But he thinks that he's actually killed her so he takes out a gun and i, I thought he already had the gun out he, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just yeah. i'm just trying to guns. recount yeah. step oh, yeah, by yeah. step what happened oh, that yes. evening I, I yeah i did i did i did um i forgot about that little thing yeah <laughs> we, yeah, yeah he didn't have it in his trousers at the time so, oh my god <laughs> so he takes the gun points it to his head and shoots himself and he died the next day. So I don't know. It was obviously God. not a very quick good death, shot. Yeah. yeah, not a very good shot. 
But do you know what they were drinking that night? Mike, I, I think absinthe was, absinthe was quite popular around that time, wasn't it? How old was he? Uh, he was young. He was in his young twenty, early twenties. And so was Picasso. Yeah, yeah. So how did? So was this Picasso's first like period, or did he have one before? This is his first major period. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Picasso was away at the time, so he wasn't even able to attend his friend's funeral. Now your best mates died, you come back, so what are you going to do? You know, you can't attend his funeral. So what Picasso does is he moves into his dead friend's apartment. Mm. Smooth operator. <laughs> <laughs> and sleeps with Jermaine, the object of Casamagas' affections. Okay, that's a bit weird. So, and not, so of course, Picasso... Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> I like that. That's a uh, for for people who are not from England. That was the uh, the intro to a uh, soap opera in it's Britain. A dr- drama moment. So so he's living there. He's uh, he's sleeping with a woman. So what what else are you going to do? Obviously, all this is going to make you very depressed. So what the best thing to do when you're very depressed is he starts to draw pictures of his dead friend tinged with a really pallid blue colour so he's made paintings of his friend in his deathbed hmm. now clearly you, uh, the looking at the paintings from Picasso's blue period so hang on he's painted these pictures of him on his deathbed but he wasn't there was he when he was no. on his deathbed yeah. so no. he this is this is from his imagination yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay yeah so and again Picasso is uh, he's going through quite a depressive picture himself so he starts to paint these pictures that are all tinged with blue and if they all feature lonely people for instance I'm looking at this one there's a woman and she's just she's just sitting there and she looks it's not Jermaine that woman I don't think that is Jermaine I just think it's a very yeah, she looks very sad very sad no they all look pretty depressed sort of forlorn people and there's this one which is called uh, La Vie which is uh, a man uh, and a woman and the man appears to be in like a kind of like a half a man bikini by the look <laughs> of it I don't think that was the intention I think that was uh, turn of the century pants I think and then there's a woman there with a with a baby swaddling and it's quite a sad picture and uh, the face is actually that of his, his dead friend, friend Casamagus oh. so that was the blue period of Picasso. It's all quite depressing, isn't it, really? Because <laughs> when you actually look at it, he gradually came out of that period and it lasted for three years of his life and gradually he moved into a more jolly rose period after this. Yeah, it sounded like he had to go through it. But a lot of people, that's one of his most sought-after periods. I don't Is know. It? Yes, I would have one on my wall because it's a Picasso blue period. On to the next artist. Now, this artist is, I've seen his work. His art, when you see these works, you never forget them. They are just very, very blue. His work is about the color blue and it's Yves Klein. Now, he was an artist who sought to liberate the world with a color blue. And he was a French guy and he was born in 1928. And uh, he was very much concerned with uh, the spiritual and that's how he he felt with his work he wanted to engage people's spiritual side 
and you know their imagination and almost like through them to to see what was beyond just the life that we have um so on a clear sunny day in the 1940s um when he was 19 he, he was hanging out on a beach in the south of france with two of his friends and they decided to split the world between the three of them as you do that's quite megalomaniac, isn't it? <laughs> Split the world between the three of them. Yeah, it's kind of like dictator stuff, isn't it? But anyway, one chose the earth and one chose words. I don't know how that was the, third, <laughs> the second one. And Yves Klein chose the space surrounding the earth and he signed the clear blue sky as his first artwork. Well, we could divide it up now. What would you have? I'd have the sofa. <laughs> I guess on that note, I'd have the bed. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have the space between things. Wow, you've got, yeah. you've, got, you've got more. You'd have to do white. All your things have to be in a really grey, grey insipid white though, because look at the sky. That's all right, I can live your with paintings that. Would be, your monochromes would be rubbish it's in that colour. <laughs> yeah, and Van Gogh had a lot of success with bed pictures, I might add. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh well. Good. <laughs> That's a bit of knowledge coming out there, isn't it? <laughs> Steady on, Tom. Are you referring to the fourth painting that he allegedly did <laughs> that we discovered on eBay? Indeed. <laughs> um, the least successful of his four bed pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, not being sure where his talents lay, I think he had the idea to get something out in the world, but he didn't know what to do. So Yves went and studied judo from 1948 to 52. And I think that the practice is quite meditative, isn't it? You know, the repetition of doing judo. And he actually became a fourth Dan karate black belt. So he's like a really quite highly ranked master of, mm. of karate. So he was really interesting, spiritual and mystic. And he loved magic. And he was influenced by a strange movement, which I've read up about and I still don't quite understand, called the Rosicrucian Society. And it's an old 17th century kind of strange spiritual movement. And in 1955, he did his first art exhibition and he displayed various monochrome colours, uh, including red, green and blue. And gradually, obviously, his love of blue took over. He actually had his special blue created for him. By pigmentarian. Pigmentarian. <laughs> that sounds like, that'd be a good name. If it's not a pigmentarian, that sounds good enough for me. And he called it International Climb Blue. Did he copyright it like Anish Kapoor? He didn't copyright it like Anish Kapoor. What he did was he, he registered that it, the process was to make it. Um, so he went on to produce many works, uh, mostly in blue, and he did things like blue installations. There's one here which is a blue sponge <laughs> on a on a stick, I would say. He's done blue busts and is there's a it's a high concentration of blue per square inch. That's a lot of blue, but honestly when you see that blue you never forget it. It leaves it What is what's in that picture? Sponges. Oh, that's canvas. loads of sponges. Yeah. So ah. And he's done a lot of other works with Blue. He also did performance art and he did installations. And one of his installations was, right, now listen to this. This has to be one of the longest titles for an artwork that I know. And it's called, and I've translated it from the French, The Specialisation of Sensibility 
in the raw material state into stabilized pictorial sensibility, the void. Now, I didn't listen. Say it again. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, this, very much like those of you that heard the Maurizio Catalan, uh, is a quite an interesting piece. Basically, he decided to show nothing in a gallery. Nothing. What well, Eve Klein did? Yeah. So, how come this is, you're referring to this as blue then? Well, you arrive at the gallery and the window was painted in blue and then you go into the room and there's a blue curtain and as you go behind the blue curtain there's a completely empty gallery nothing in there except the blue curtain yeah except the blue curtain and the blue window yeah and a lot of people because <laughs> he promoted it so well there was well over 2,000 people turned up so in the end they actually had to have the police disperse them that was really well publicised and there was nothing there just a void, an empty space. When was this? When was this? Yeah, what year? Uh, this was in, in the late 50s, 1958. Uh, yeah, so this was intentional on his part. Yeah. Did people get cross? I think they got cross when they had to be dispersed by the police. I'm just making it up. Oh, do you think they might have had a party? They might have had a party. There's nothing there. So yeah. it's a party in the void, I suppose. Again, I think it was about the fact that he chose the space around the earth and that's what he was presenting yeah, to people. Yeah. I don't know if inviting 2,000 people to an empty space is kind of spiritual. It's kind of just very crowded. Yeah, because if, like, you've got a blue curtain, yeah, but it's like, you know, it'd have to be a massive curtain to fit 2,000 people <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> so... As well as that, he did. He did. A, he was quite a pioneer of performance art, and this is um, around about 1960. He did a series of uh, paintings, and he did these performances, you know, sporadically, and they were called anthropometry paintings. What he did was he did painting as a performance, and he used naked women as paintbrushes. Volunteering women. Yes, yes, women that would be paid. <laughs> yes, volunteering. Women, yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they did actually choose to do this. <laughs> so the audience would be invited to come in and view and he would direct the women who cover themselves in the Yves Klein blue to make marks on large canvases. And while he did this, musicians would play a single note, which he called a monotone symphony. And then afterwards, there would be 20 minutes of silence. Now, there are obvious, obvious uh, issues with it. Of the fact of just using women as paintbrushes. Yeah. So they, they were they were his tools because they because people aren't actually paintbrushes, are they? They're no. just humans covered in paint. Yes. We, Unless maybe like about it. a giant like picked you up and dipped your hair in it, then maybe you could be a paintbrush. Oh right, yeah, and you threw your hair against. <laughs> yeah, your hair was like the brush. Yeah. Oh, well, it's interesting because I uh, performance <laughs> artist called Poppy Jackson, and she did that. One of her performance pieces was she put herself in black and hair and she made marks around a police cell. Yeah. That's, cool. that's for uh, probably for another time, that kind of work. But yeah, because it's worse black for a start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 but she's a really interesting artist. Um, so that was one of his performance pieces. Now, the thing is, you can imagine, he's always been spiritual. He's always wanted to get through to this spiritual side. 
So his final, one of his final most famous works, because he didn't actually live very long, was called The Void. Oh yeah, I know this one. Again. Now this is a photograph, you can see it's a photograph of him leaping out of the first floor floor window of a building. So it's him mid-air, almost looking like he's flying. And this is him leaping into the great unknown. Now, when you look at that painting, you think it's quite an amazing picture, but what they have done is they've probably used the, I don't know what the equivalent of Photoshop was in those days. I don't think there was, was there? Uh, it's probably like scissors. Yeah, probably. Scissors, yeah. And, <laughs> scissors and another photograph. Yeah, because it's not really, the photo does not show, I mean, go on modernartisrubbish.com and have a look, but the photo does not show the unknown on it. It's just got a, a pavement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is quite known <laughs> he had his karate men to actually catch him when it was actually made so that was one of his final pieces again I imagine Maurizio Catalan was quite influenced by him because he created fake newspaper covers and he put them in shops what Eve Klein did mm. he made it and he put That's it cool. I don't know whether it's what shops or what but he did distribute them so people could see it and that was one of his final acts now he actually died at the age of 34. So he well, took a... pretty young, yeah. Yeah, he went straight into the void that way for a long time. Well, he did loads then for someone's Yes, young. yes, he did. Eve Klein is still a really important artist and, and his work is pretty much uh, around the world. So you really need to see those works on canvas. You need to see them in order to experience them. And it is true, once you see them, you never forget them. Uh, so Sarah, have you, there's a couple of more sort of contemporary artists you've been looking at. Is yeah, there? I have. Yeah. Oh, cool. So um, Roger Hines, who is a British contemporary artist born in Birmingham in 1975, who primarily works in installation and sculpture. He did a piece in 2008 called Seizure, in which he flooded a condemned council flat near Elephant and Castle in London with 90,000 litres of boiling copper sulphate. So the result left the bedsit covered in an alien-like blue copper sulfate crystals do you remember this one did you see this one yes did did you go and see it uh no so it was i, I do know this one yeah, yeah it's quite famous yeah. it was nominated for the 2009 turner prize so to make it they had to reinforce the flat and seal it with a metal tank um and they had to wait for over two weeks for the chemical reaction to occur the work took a year from start to finish and um, it was commissioned by Art Angel, who also commissioned Rachel White Reed's house. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, in which she like cast an interior of a derelict house in concrete. Yeah, the thing is, is what I really like about those is they, um, they create a sort of like this beautiful crystal kind yeah, of cave. Yeah, they're weird. But gradually over time, they they kind of lose their luster yeah is, they is do he word. said that he said that it's it's once it's done it's like a pure form um a pure space of pure like chemicals and then as people go and see it they add to its decay so he um he used this before you've seen that one haven't you in 2006 untitled yeah. which he dipped a car engine in the same copper sulfate so that became crystallized yeah it's really cool it's like a crystallized uh, car engine Crystal Blue Persuasion. 
Well, I like that. I don't know. So it's called seizure because of the suggestion of a loss of control, like the building being seized by something. Oh, cool. Yeah, and Hines says he sees crystallization as a type of claiming and obfuscation, which I had to look up, which means making something obscure, unclear, or unintelligible. So, um, so they, they turned a, a flat or a bedsit or something. Yeah, like in transform this space. It was in a residential area. Yeah, but it was no, derelict. It was derelict, so no one was living there while no. all this was going on. And in like a kind of brutalist sort of concrete structure building, and then the whole flat was flooded with this. Yeah, copper sulfate at boiling temperature, and then it's left, and then it crystallizes in a year. No, no, that takes a couple of weeks, but it took a year for the flat to for the whole artwork from start to finish. I oh, guess yeah. reinforcing the building and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he said it was a blind method of making art because the work is determined by the properties of his materials rather than his own choices. And the final aesthetic is left ambiguous and is not his greatest concern. The loss of control suggested in the title seizure also applies to Heinz's control over the work. So they planned the removal of um, their responsibility, the people that made it, and his sort of um, control over it. He wanted to be obsolete. It's quite interesting. But it's an interesting thing to do, to put something in motion and then be like, well, I don't care about the results. or well, the result's not important. They didn't know if it was going to work because oh. the building materials might contaminate it. Oh, I see. So they were like, they could have like spent all this money, done all this stuff and then opened it up and there'd be nothing but just like brown slop. Yeah, but I oh. guess it's the process that is making this art rather than the actual end result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. And like, I, I went to see it and it was... Um, it was odd because like you're kind of expecting wonder like this amazing beautiful space filled with crystals but because it's in like a flat and it's quite boxy and it's quite familiar then it's kind of it is just a flat with crystals on it so it's kind of got that magical but not magical oh yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah, yeah but what about this metal box they had to put the flat yeah, inside a, in a tank tank or something yeah so that was like inside the flat or that I was I don't know, like maybe outside it. So when you see photos of it, it's like, a, it's just like a porthole at the top, which they poured it in. So I guess the tank went around the outside. Wow, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You should do that here. It sounds like it would be quite difficult to do that. So you'd have to cover the space you were living in and you'd have to have no neighbours, I guess, to do that. Yeah. So I guess it was a derelict place. Yeah. So it, yeah. They were able to do something quite mad, yeah. Because it's, it's pretty mad, isn't it? Yeah, that's what he says. He says it's he um, it's kind of an irrational thing to put in a quite irrational space. It's like housing, oh, yeah. like housing scheme, how like flat purpose built flats, and then you add this weird sort of concoction into it and turn it into something really, cool. really alien. And yet they still put the rent up. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. We'll just have to live with those blue crystals <laughs> or find somewhere else. And the other one I want to talk about was um, Katerina Fritsch, who did um, the fourth plinth in Trafalgar Square in 2013. Uh, you remember, there's a photo of you with this, isn't there? Yeah, Are you going to put that up? Yes, there's a photo of me. Uh, what it was was a giant blue cockerel. I was trying not to say giant blue cock. Yeah, we're allowed to say cock because it is called Han stroke cock. 
which uh, sounds like cock cock because Han, Han is cock, cock in yeah. German. Yeah. yeah, she's German. Yeah, and it's got the same double meaning. So what it was is a massive blue cockerel. Um, it is 4.72 metres high and weighs about 800 kilograms. And it's made of fibreglass and it's coloured completely blue, like an ultramarine bright blue in matte. Um, Katarina Fritsch says she didn't really get the connotations because people have pointed out that it's quite funny to have a cockerel, which is a symbol of France in Trafalgar Square, which is a sort of celebration of Nelson's yeah. victory over Napoleon. Did I say Nelson? Yeah, yes, Nelson's Nelson. <laughs> victory over Napoleon. But she said she didn't she didn't realise that. That wasn't what it was about. But what it is about for her is um, sort of poking fun at the, um, the... It's sending up masculine posturing and power. So especially in Trafalgar Square, which she saw as quite a masculine space. We've got Nelson on his column, on a really, really big column. And she says, I am a feminist, I must say. It's about male posing, about showing erections. I mean, look at that column. And she also talks about how the area is quite male in terms of like men tail- yeah. male tailors. Um, so there's a lot of businessmen walking around in suits or strutting oh, cool, around yeah. um, like a cock struts. Yeah, colour is really important to her. Um, she says, colour evens, evens it out, makes it abstract, like a visual sign, an icon. That is important. My work is always on the borderline between a detailed sculpture and a sign. So she uses colour quite a lot. You know some of her works, don't you, Marcus? Yes, she she does uh, like ordinary things in massive, giant size yeah, monochrome colours. Yeah. You're one colour. So there's she did some sunshine yellow Madonnas. She's also done one which was the cats just knocked the tin of cat food <laughs> off. How oh, cheeky! What is that to get more cat food? Dog food. <laughs> that cat thinks it's a dog sorry um yes so she does large sculptures in monochrome uh of everyday kind of things like rats or poodles yeah um, or people or people she did a big red man i think yeah other things and sunshine yellow madonnas like she did a a, a several rats yeah giant rats. rats big black giant rats all arranged in a sort of like a circle in the gallery and then she did another one which was uh like poodles and a baby and it was like uh say like 50 large poodles yeah, all arranged yeah. in a circle and in the middle was a little I white baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know it should have been the baby special why did i miss that one yeah you did um, she says in the more abstract 20th century colour was lost it was not allowed because it was maybe too childish too sensual or too emotional so she's bringing bright they are quite playful aren't they they're really yeah. bright bold colours and that um, the blue cockerel really stood out it was really bright oh, yeah. it's really good it looked really good on the plinth as well when yeah. I saw it she's got a form of syn- oh, I don't know how to say that synesthesia yeah synesthesia um, so she associates colours with numbers and days of the week yeah Oh, cool. Yeah, and there you go. So, um, I think that wraps it up for our blue, our blue special. Everyone's looking quite blue <laughs> and quite down <laughs> because we've been talking about down. blue so much. So, uh, thanks for listening to the blue podcast. Uh, just to let you know. Uh, we do have a Patreon page. Um, 
So what's the address of the Patreon page, Tom? Patreon.com forward slash modern art is rubbish. Yeah, great. And we also have a Facebook page, so please, uh, please come and join us on that. And if you want to see the pictures on the show notes, that's you visit modernartisrubbish.com. And finally, if you uh, can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review, that would be fantastic. And that's it for the blue pod. Yeah, we should go out with some blues. Some yeah, I that. Do you want to get your guitar and give some blues? <laughs> Bye.